morning, brethren. I want to say uh, welcome to the church. We also want to welcome the visitors. I want to say that uh, we are so happy to have you with us here. As we can see this morning, we didn't see the usual faces we see here in the pulpit. That's because it's our young men's leading day. This is the day where we tell the old folks to sit down and take a break. And uh, we all saw what we saw this morning. I'm so happy to see all of us stepping up. We see Leonard taking the uh, presiding over the table. And it's so beautiful. We are so happy. And that's the outcome we want this program to have. That aside, we, some of us here, are big fans of fiction movies. You know, we all love the Wonderlands. You know, we have the Alice in the Wonderland. We have the Chronicles of Narnia. You know, they are so appealing. And so beautiful. And why? Because they are all beautiful lands. These are lands where we have a bunch of kids being transformed into heroes. Where these kids actually become who they always desired to be. And because of that, we feel so connected to it. But also, brothers, there is still another land that I'm going to talk about today. A land where everything gets done. A land where we all be that passion of ourselves that we always wanted to be. I termed that land the Tomorrowland. Yes, starting from tomorrow, I'm going to wake up in the morning, I'll pray, and I'll have my Bible study. Tomorrow, I will work on tightening the bonds within my spiritual family. Or tomorrow, I'm going to start that workout program and actually start living a healthy lifestyle. Or what about tomorrow? I will actually start helping people and try to be an inspiration. Or tomorrow, I will stop going late for programs. Or this, tomorrow, I will actually start telling people about Christ. Or yes, tomorrow, or the next young man's leading day, I will step up and be part of those that will be there. It's all in tomorrow. But do you know what all these lands have in common? They don't exist. You know, today is that tomorrow that you talked about yesterday. And I don't think we are all here doing that which we thought we were going to do tomorrow, today. And so me, you know, I've been committed to taking this teaching more than Four months ago, but I kept telling myself I was going to start preparing. Guess when? Tomorrow. And then tomorrow turned to months, and months added to months until I had two or just one week left. And that is why we don't have a PowerPoint presentation this morning, because I was going to start working on it when? Tomorrow. (laughs) You know, we all have good intentions, all of us, right? 
who want to do this, who want to do that. But good intention is nothing. It's not about what you, you, you want, but it's actually what you do. And not what you do in the future, but what you do now. Can we have the uh, scripture reading for today? We'll call on Chase. Good morning. Uh, first scripture reading this is Proverbs chapter 6, verse 9 to 11. And, and the second one is 26, verse 13 to 16. Verse 1, 6, verse 9 to 11. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a rubber, and want like an armed man. The second one. Verse 13. The slugger says, There is a lion in the road. There is a lion in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a slugger on his bed. The slugger buries his hand in a dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. The slugger is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. So we have heard today, it's so easy to follow the path of the resistance. You know, it's just so easy. Electricity does that. It flows through the path of the resistance. If the lion, when seeking out his prey, goes for the weakest. You know, streams flow downstream. Rivers flow downstream, never upstream. You know, it's just natural for us to go through the path of least resistance. It's just nature itself. But it doesn't have to. And how does it start? And what are the signs? Let's go back to our reading this morning. In Proverbs 6, 10 to 11, we read that what? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. So we console ourselves in putting up the inevitable. And why? By assuring ourselves that it's just a little sleep. After all, what arm can a few additional sleep do? We're definitely going to go stand up to go to work, but just after a little sleep. We're going to wake up in the morning to read our Bible and to pray, but just after a little sleep. In our mind, we all have all it worked up. We're trying to build up our strength. we have developed the ability to put off starting a task. Therefore, what do we do? We prefer to put off the unpleasantness of work itself by extending the decision to start that task at all. And the point that I want to make here is 
we don't deliberately, consciously decide to forgo our duties. No. But what do we do? We often push it forward. But it just does end there, does it? Even when we start a task, it doesn't just get finished. I know we smile at the thoughts of the sluggard dipping his hand inside the bowl of food and not being able to bring it back. And we tell ourselves that can never be ours. Or we read Proverbs 12, 27. It says that the slothful never does what? Roast his game. We have someone wake up in the morning, goes, you know, hunts, and when it's time to roast it, he doesn't do that. And we say, that cannot be us. But that is just a metaphor, right? Yeah, he dispenses the initial effort to start a task that is beneficial for him or that is nourishing for him. He summons the courage to put his hand in the dish but never goes to the level of scooping the food to his mouth. He summons the initial courage to wake up in the morning to go hunt, but never finish it up by roasting the game. And what happens? He ends up wasting the initial effort and therefore not benefiting at all from, from it. We ask ourselves, isn't food good for its nourishment? Yes, it is. So also is studying and meditating on God's word. So also is what? Probably starting a physical exercise program. So also is actively participating in God's vineyard. They are all good for our nourishment. But yet we dip our hand into that bowl and we don't bring it up to our mouth. We also read in verse 26, if you read on the uh, chapter 26, verse 13, you know, what we read there is as it says that there's a lion in the road. What? We just can't stop but be surprised at that excuse. There is a lion in the road. Would there possibly be a lion in Israel at that time? We don't know. But if we think deeper, isn't a lion scary? Yes, it is. So what is your lion in the road? What is that thing that scares you so much to, that it stops you from starting a task that is beneficial for you? Is it the thought that Oh, I'm not just good enough for this. You know. I'm not just a public speaker. Guess what? Nobody started off as one. The expert you see today was a rookie yesterday. And if that expert fails to work on continuous improvement, he ceases to be one. So what other excuses do we have? What other lions do we have cooked up in our head? Oh, this is a good one. People is going to laugh at me that I'm not going to start. Hey, 
people will always laugh. You shouldn't be scared when people laugh at you. In fact, without those laughters, you might not improve. I'll, I'll, you know, uh, instead of concentrating on people laughing at you, you should work on proving them wrong. You know, I remember back, I don't know, a couple of years when Donald Trump uh, called most African uh, nation, I'm just going to use the word uh, uh, shitty, and uh, I wasn't hungry. Uh, why should I? We haven't given him a reason not to. We haven't proven him wrong, have we? So people are going to laugh. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit, uh, just from a personal experience. You know, when I was in secondary school, I used to be the, you know, the whiskey. I would say, you know, come out top of the top in the class. You know, kept going, and then French came. I had a midterm. And uh, I got a horrible grade. Uh, it surprised everybody, including me and my, and my teacher there. And I can remember vividly, most of my friends were laughing at me. You know, even one personally came up and said, oh, Calvin, this no condition is permanent, right? That the fact that you have been leading doesn't mean you will, you will continue to, you know, there was no negative emotion I didn't feel that day. I went home. I couldn't eat. My parents knew nothing about it. But there was one feeling that lingered on. And that was the anger and the desire to prove that friend wrong. I went sleepless night. And lo and behold, the final exams came. And it elevated me back to the top. When I saw my grades, there was no feeling that would be compared to what I felt that day. It wasn't, it wasn't prayers alone. No. And it wasn't my effort alone. But it was both. You walk and you pray. So what other lions do we come up on our daily is it that I am not a morning person, you might say? Guess what? Have you given it your best shot? Even if you have given it your best shot and you find out that definitely you're not a morning person, why not be a night person? Whatever works for you, provided you achieve the same result. Or is it that I'm not a people's guy, you know? I just can't relate much with people, right? But those very few friends that you have that you can discuss anything with, have you ever told them about Christ? Or is it? It's snowing outside today. I don't think I'll make it to church. The weather is crazy. I can't go. That's a lot of lion in the street. I might strip and fall. But if you have an interview at AM that same day, and if the weather is crazy, you'll be amazed at how early you wake up, and you'll be there even before 8. 
What has changed? We ask ourselves. What has changed? So, all these are just lions that we come up in our head just to push off the task. To not do that that is necessary. To not do that that will nourish us. So, the primary reason for our failure to pray, to study the Bible, or, you know, to proclaim Christ as we should, is just because we, man, just a spiritual slumber. We admit to ourselves that these things are important, even essential, right? But we don't go about doing them as much as we should, or as well as we should. But come to think of it, the Christian race is not an easy road. It's never an easy road. We are called by Christ to be his disciples, and we know what awaits us on this path. We're going to face persecution, and we're going to face tribulation. Let's open to Matthew 7, verse 13 to 14. It reads, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it, they are many. But the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to what? To life. And who are those that find it? Only a few. It is that sluggard in me that causes me to ease up, to take the easy road. It's that sluggard in me that keeps assuring me that there's always another day. And day by day, moment by moment, a tiny bit of a time, we all lose the spiritual battle, largely by doing nothing. And why? Why is it so easy to lose it? Ask yourself why. Because we are so disconnected from the reward, right? We humans, we have been wired to know that small sacrifice in the present is needed to what? To get a reward in the future. I know when I was a kid, I save up a little box and then I stop myself from buying candy or probably walk that extra mile and then keep the money for my transportation, you know, just to save up a little money for that thing that my parents can give me, right? It's a reward and it's a sacrifice for us. And we have been built into that system. It's just hardwired in the human brain. But when it comes to Christianity, what happened? Definitely we have earthly reward. 
We all say it in the Bible. But it's not guaranteed. Let's open to Ecclesiastes 8, verse 14. Ecclesiastes 8.14 reads, So there's a vanity that takes place on earth that they are righteous people. I actually like to read the NIV. I love how the NIV puts it. Verse 14 reads, He said, There's something else meaningless that occurs on earth. The, weak, the righteous will get what the wicked deserves, and the wicked will get what the righteous deserves. These two, I say, what is meaningless. This is, this is life, right? You give all your best to Christianity, you you try to be uh, the best you can, but then you don't see the little word, and that is discouraging. And because of that, we grow cold, and we don't do anything. But should our hope be here on earth? No, shouldn't. If you read 1 Corinthians 15, 19, it said, If in Christ we have hope in this life alone, what are we? We are all made most miserable. Therefore, the reward, the grand reward of being a Christian is not on earth, but the ultimate guaranteed reward is in heaven. But then heaven seems so far away, doesn't it? And hence, we cannot connect the reward with the effort needed to run the race, making us lose the bride. So what I want to talk next is what are the dangers of remaining in this land, in this mystical land, this tomorrow land. The first I have here is it leads to stagnation, no growth. No fruit bearing. We all become just pure Christians. We come hurried early in the morning, probably late, hurriedly take the Lord's Supper. We sit down, listen to Bob teaching, and we go back home the same way. And years after years, the cycle continues. All we are good at is to keep the chair nice and warm. But then we'll be like those that were spoken about in Hebrew 5.12. That says, when we should be teachers, what are we doing? We still need to be taught the basic principles of God. And then what happens? But the Lord has called us to grow in every way and not be like children that is tossed to and fro. That we can read in Ephesians 4, verse 14.
Ephesians 4.14 reads. It said, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown there and here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and the craftiness of people in their deceptive schemes. Also, it also leads to passive leadership. Right? You're a leader in the church and your impact is not felt. You don't seem to be around to motivate the flocks as you should. Or you're not taking that time to know the flock under which God has put you under control. Or you don't even have an idea of how many ships have gone astray or those that are about to. But let's read Hebrew thirteen seventeen. Hebrew thirteen seventeen says that have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. As those who will give an account. So being in the position of leadership, you are to give an account of every ship that is under your watch. We all know what the Bible teaches about every tree that doesn't bear fruit. About what happens if you are stagnated. About what happens if you know, just going by the emotions. We read in John 15, verse 2, that every branch that does not bear fruit takes away. I don't know when the Lord is going to do that. But that is what the Bible says. That every fruit, every plant that does not bear fruit, going to take away. We also read the parable in Luke 13, 6 of a gardener who is taking care of a tree, you know, giving him a second chance, giving him as many chances as possible for the tree to bear fruit. And when the fruit doesn't come up, after a time, he got tired and he cut it down. I pray that will not be our portion. We also read in Revelation 3, verse 16. And what does he say? He says, you're neither cold or warm. What will happen? He said, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. These are all the consequences of remaining in the Tomorrowland. Of not taking any action. You just come in and being passive leaders. As coming and being passive Christians. And just sitting down in the pew and doing nothing. We are called to grow and to be workmen in God's kingdom. So in conclusion, the motto of the tomorrow land is what? You never do today what you can put off to tomorrow. 
But what does the Bible say? So tomorrow is not promised. Yeah, we say tomorrow I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But hey, this moment might be the last. Also, for those that have been pushing forward, giving their life to Christ. Sunday in, Sunday out, we have the gospel call. And you're like, I'm going to do it next Sunday. Um, probably the next one. And when the next one comes, mm, you keep pushing it. This is another day. The Lord has called we all. And the only way is to accept the gospel call. Like you've heard this morning, the word. You believe the word. You repent of your sins. You confess Christ. And then you humble yourself to baptism. And it doesn't, doesn't end there. You try not to remain in Tomorrowland, but act positively and actively in God's word. If you are here this morning and you want to leave Tomorrowland and you want to give your life to Christ, here it is while we stand up and sing 907.